Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we are studying the Prophet Jeremiah, Yermiyahu, chapter 19, Parak Yudtes. This is Saul Weiner, the host of the podcast. At the end of chapter 18, we heard Yermiyahu's prayer of desperation to God. Yermiyahu had been trying his hardest to convey God's message to the people and he was consistently being frustrated by A, the fact that nobody listened to his message, which is frustrating enough, but much worse, the people were making fun of him, the people were even plotting against him to um, to get rid of him and to unfortunately even to assassinate him to that ex- you know, to the extent that's how bad it had gotten. And Yermio was praying in, in, in exasperation, in desperation, praying to God to save him from his enemies and to punish his enemies and to stop punishing him instead. But once again, and this is not the first time the prophet complained to God in this way and prayed to God in this way. And God's response the first time was to promise Yermiyahu not to worry that he was going to keep him safe. He then responded also by saying, um, don't get married and have children because the the future of this place is one of disaster and you don't want to bring a family into this world where terrible, terrible destruction and suffering is about to come. But after that, God kind of ignores his, his entreaties. He ignores his prayers and simply gives him more missions to, to fulfill, more messages to bring to the people. So this is what we're going to find here in chapter 19, that instead of responding to the desperate prayer of Yirmiyahu, of the prophet, God is going to simply say, as if, as almost as if Yermio didn't say anything. It's kind of remarkable. There's like no response at all. Ko amar Adonai. So says God. Begins the first, the first verse of chapter 19. This is what I want you to do. I'm giving you a new job. Almost as if Yermio hadn't just been crying in prayer to him. Here's a new job. Vikanitsa, I would like you to purchase bakpuk a usually translated as a as in modern Hebrew that's usually means a bottle or a jug or some sort of a bottle or jug, Yotzer Charas, one that is created by a potter. And I want you to gather some of the elders of the people and some of the elders of the priests to go with you where I'm about to tell you where to go. Exactly why God had to point out a bottle made by a potter is unclear. Obviously, I don't know what other kinds of bottles existed back then, but presumably all of the jugs and bottles that they had were made by potters. So um, most likely, it's uh, God is just pointing this out in order to emphasize the lesson that he taught Yirmiyahu, that he taught the uh, the prophet in the previous chapter where he said, I am like a potter who can decide when to break the, the jug and when to refashion it into a new jug. So presumably it's just a reference to that. So where do I want you to go? And also, and I want you to go out to the valley of Ben-Hinom. This is a valley um, beneath Jerusalem. Uh, uh, Jerusalem is, is, is high on a mountain and 
when um, and the the valley of Ben Hinnom is a valley just beneath that mountain. Asher petach shar hacharsit, which is outside the the opening, in other words, the way from Jerusalem to go down towards the valley, uh, go through this gate, the gate of Charsit. Charsit would mean, um, by the best translation, is potsherds, broken pieces of pottery. Some identifies this as what is called the Shar Ashpot or the Dung Gate, the gate through um, which at some points in history was used to bring out the garbage and refuse from the Temple Mount, so it was called the Garbage Gate. But um, others uh, identify it with a different gate. But regardless, the point is, is that God says, I want you to go out the, the gate of potsherds. Of bro-. And here it's it probably uh, not coincidental that God is using the language of broken pieces of pottery to refer to the gate through which he's supposed to bring this piece of pottery. And as we'll see in a moment, his job is going to be to break it. So Vikarasa Sham Esadvarim and over there I want you to call out the things, the lessons, the words, Asher Adaberi Lacha that I am going to tell you to speak. One wonders why anyone is even going along with him. We say, he says that he's taking the elders and the elders of the priests. And I I'm kind of developing this image in my mind where the people are hearing. Yirmiyahu, the people are hearing the, the prophet's message and they're waiting to see the prophet give them some sign that they should believe him. Remember, they're listening to all of the false prophets that are constantly falsely reassuring them, oh, don't worry, everything's fine, you're not doing anything wrong, everything's good, just keep keep uh, bringing sacrifices in the temple and all will be well with God and you can continue all of your corrupt ways, no reason to change. And here you have Yirmiyahu telling the people, that this terrible destruction is about to come. And the people are waiting for, are wondering, is, is, is there anything to this guy? And more and more and more, the signs that he keeps on bringing are signs that don't prove anything. We saw the sign of the rotten belt, the sign of the, um, uh, of going to a pottery, uh, uh, you know, a factory to show how the pottery breaks and gets fixed and, and, and so on. So far, Yermio has performed no miracles. He's screaming and yelling about the future and how you need to fix yourself and how you need to become, you know, uh, change your ways and how destruction is about to come. And maybe there's still a few people left that are still thinking, a few elders saying, oh, let's follow him down there. Maybe he's going to prove it now. The people are making this huge mistake thinking that the prophet has to come with some kind of sign. If you remember going back to the days of Moses in Exodus, where God gave Moses these miracles that he should perform in order to convince the people. But interestingly, God so far has given Yirmiyahu no miracles, just signs from the world around him, signs of a pot and the creation of a pot and comparing God to the creation of a pot. One really thinks that what the lesson that Yirmiyahu is trying to teach is a lesson that the people aren't going to get, and they're just not capable of receiving. They want a God that's going to perform some kind of a miracle for them. They keep on saying it, as we've said so many times, where is this God? Let's see this sign. Let's see these predictions that you're making. They're not willing to have the, the faith 
to believe in God based on belief alone, based on trust alone. And what Yermio is trying to teach them is that they need to accomplish this level of trust in God in order to be saved. They need to accomplish the trust in God that comes without miracles, without massive signs. But here he gathers these, 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 um, these leaders um, with having in mind that uh, presumably these people are going, oh, well, maybe now he's going to show us something really cool. Maybe now we're going to see some really great sign. So, <clears throat> Jeremiah the prophet goes ahead and fulfills this mission. The Omar taught, and this, and now God is, so there, he goes through the gate with the people that did follow him with this jug. The Amarta, and I want you to tell them as follows. God said, I'm going to tell you what to say. So now he's telling him what to say. Shemud Dvar Adonai, listen to the word of God. Malchei Yehuda, you kings of Judah. Vyoshvei Yerushalayim and residents of, of Jerusalem. So says the God, the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. I am going to bring evil upon this place. Such evil that anyone that hears of this, their ears will be ringing in pain. Yan Asher Azavuni, and why I'm doing this is because they have abandoned me. They made this place into a strange place for me. They've made it, I've seen the word used, alien to me. And here they have um, burnt incense to other gods, Asher Lo Gods that they have not known, not them, not their forefathers, not the kings of, of Judah. And they filled this place with the blood of the innocent. This the horrible, horrible, horrible practice of, of human sacrifice. Um, when it said in the beginning of this verse 4, they have made this, this place strange to me. This reminds us, remember, God just explained to us through his prophet the purpose of the temple on this world, the real purpose. The purpose being to tell us that God is not just the God in heaven, but we have a, a place on this world that stands as a reminder to tell us that God has a place in this world, that God is here with us on this planet and sees and knows and influences and wants to be part of our lives on this world. That is the reason. When Vayinakru, when the people do these um, worshiping of idols and, and bringing incense to other gods and, and worshiping of, of, of human strength and human beings and human accomplishments and arrogance, etc., they make this place strange to me. They make it as if I don't belong here. They make it as if gods belong upstairs and human beings belong downstairs. They missed the entire point of the temple that's here. And when they did that, what happened? This is verse 5. They built the 
the uh, altars for for the idol, the Baal, the Srofet Benehem. This is all, this is just difficult to read. It's so horrifying to burn their children by Asian flames. Olot la Baal as sacrifices to the Baal. Asher lotzivisi. These are kinds of things that I have never commanded. Vuholti parti. I have never said such things. Vuholto alibi, and they've never even came to my mind. I can't even. God is saying. So to speak, such things, such horrible, horrible things are things that are completely, completely foreign, totally the opposite of anything and everything that I want from you. L'chein, therefore, verse 6, <sighs> There are days coming soon, says, No longer will they call this place Od HaTofet. They will no longer call it the Tofet, which is was what they would call this area. They gave Enhinom, and they will no longer call it the Valley of Enhinom. Kim Geha Harega, they will call it the Valley of Slaughter. Uvakoti etatzat Yehuda. This word Uvakoti, this is the first word in verse 7, uh, can be translated, I will empty. But uh, the better translation that I've seen is, I will ruin their plans. I will ruin the plans of the people of Judah. They have all these ideas and plans. Um, of corruption, of of idol worship, etc. I am going to ruin their plans, Jerusalem, and the people that live in Jerusalem. This place, in this valley, this is where their plans will reach their end and destruction. And I am going to make them fall by the sword and from before their enemies. And in the hands of those who seek to destroy and kill them. And their corpses will become food for the birds of the heavens and the scavenging animals of the land. That is what's going to become of them. Um, verse 8, I will turn the city into, a, a, I will make it into a, a ruin, a destruction, and a place which makes people shriek. Uh, some people call it to hiss, but it, I, I, um, I like the word shriek because it's actually the same word. I'm not a linguist, but it's not unlikely that this shereka is the same, has the same origins of the English word shriek. Call over Allah, all of those who pass by the, this place after this destruction, yishom v'yishroka, kol makosel, will be, will be just, just appalled and dumbstruck and scream about all of the afflictions that came upon this place. Uh, the next verse is also extremely difficult to read, but I'll, I'll get through it. And they'll be starving so to the extent that they'll eat the flesh of their own children and the flesh of their daughters. People will eat each other because they will be so desperate and so starving and and so um and so stuck in, in, in this awful situation, I show you that they will be besieged by their enemies and those that seek to kill them. And then I want you to do the sign, says God in verse ten. After you tell them about this terrible destruction, I'm trying to imagine that people are listening. Remember, at this time they don't see this horrible destruction happening. They don't see anything. And where's the big sign? You will smash the bottle or the jug in front of the people that have come with you. They're waiting for some magical sign and what do you do? You smash a bottle. 
quite, quite unimpressive. And then you'll tell them, So says God, The same way I'm smashing this bottle, this is the way I'm going to smash this nation, and the city, just like the clay that was made by the potter was broken, that it will no longer, it's smashed to bits, it's beyond the point of repair. It's not a little crack that I could fix, but it's completely gone, broken, smashed. And they shall bury, and people will end up burying bodies in this area of Tofet, until there's no more place to bury bodies, and the bodies will be just left strewn about. So I will do to this place. No Madonai says God to those that live in this place. I'm going to make the city just like I will make Tophet. In other words, it will not only in this valley of Tophet where this destruction will happen, but the people that live up there in the city, even though the city might be protected by walls, you might think the people in the city might be saved, but no. They will also die in the same way. And when I destroy the city, then Batei Yerushalayim, the houses of Jerusalem, and even Batei Machei Yehuda, the houses of the kings of Judah, will be just like these, um, these, just like the place of Tophet, the unholy and impure and evil places of Tophet, so will the houses of Jerusalem become. To all the houses this will happen. Those that on the roofs of those houses they use to bring incense and worship to the bodies of the heavens. They worship the stars, the sun, the moon. And places where they poured libations to other gods. So, um, wow. Well, I'll make a few comments in a minute, but first there's two more verses. Let me finish this chapter. So Yermiyahu came from the Tophet, which is seems to be an interchangeable word that also means the valley of Ben-Hinom. The place where God sent him to say his prophecy. And then he stood in the... Um, in the courtyard of the temple, and he said to the entire nation, So says God, the God of Israel, I'm going to bring on this city and all of the cities of this kingdom, all of the evil that I have spoken that I'm going to do. Why? Because they have become, um, they have become, uh, um, Stubborn uh, uh, and refused to listen to my words. It is really, I, I, I am, I, I kind of becoming more and more convinced that that this, this, the, the, the symbols that God is using for Yermio, for Jeremiah to give to the people are exquisitely unimpressive. And I think that's really the point here. Yermio is here to tell the people, to teach them actually this lesson that you don't need and you should not need by now miracles in order for me to impress a point upon you. There have been times in the past when miracles happened. I mean, think famously of of of. of 
the miracles of Elijah on, on Mount Carmel with the uh, you know it, which proved that that God is the real God and not the um, and not the Baal and so on there have been times and of course the times in Exodus with the miracles of the Exodus of Egypt but in, in the miracles in the times of Joshua the miracle there have been miracles but the, they were not enough to convince the people now what God is trying to do is show and teach the people through his prophet Jeremiah that you need to have trust in God. You need to believe in God because it's the truth, not because I'm showing you some kind of magical tricks. And therefore, these signs that Yermio and Jeremiah, you know, that Yermio is showing the people are extremely, extremely simple ideas. Smashing a bottle is not that impressive. Any three-year-old could knock a bottle off a table and smash it. So it's not the, you know, wearing a rotten belt and not cleaning it and having it rot in the ground is not a very impressive miracle. It's just simply what happens to clothing when you don't take care of it. But what Yermio is really trying to teach and what God is trying to teach through him is that what I expect of you by now is that you should recognize the truth because it's true. Unfortunately, the people are not ready to hear that lesson. And since it's been so many years and so many times that God has tried to teach us to the people and they still haven't gotten the lesson, therefore God has unfortunately decided that the time for destruction is coming. And maybe, maybe over the throughout the exile, throughout the years of suffering that's going to be subsequent to the destruction of Jerusalem, maybe they'll learn the lesson then. Thank you so much for studying Jeremiah 19. Looking forward to studying chapter 20 and of course the rest of this book together.